hear the word of the Lord from Mark 1, 35 through 45. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. He went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged him, if you are willing, can you make me clean? Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And then he sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news, with the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. But he was out in deserted places, and they came to him, from everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so yeah, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 35. I, I have a question for you. How, how many of you have ever found prayer to be difficult? Is it just me? Okay, good. I'm not the only one. That makes me feel a little bit better. Um, I grew up in the church my whole life. And there's this idea of like spiritual disciplines, like things that you do in the Christian life. Um, and I found some of them easier and then some of them harder. Like reading the Bible is pretty simple. I just, I open it and then read the chapter and then I know I've done it. There's not confusion there. Or like serving people, like you just, you go and you do the thing. But when it came to prayer, it was a little bit more confusing and a little more ambiguous. It's like, what? what am I supposed to say? And they're like, oh, you can just say anything. You're just talking to God. And I'm like, well, what would I talk to him about? And I've always struggled with prayer growing up in the church. I felt like it had to be fancy. Like I, cause I hear some people pray and they're saying words that I've never heard in my life before. And then, or I feel like it has to be theologically correct. Like I have to say the right things. Otherwise God's not going to hear me or something. It, and it was just always confusing and difficult. Um, but recently, in the past three or four years, um, I've been growing in the area of prayer. And, and I've been learning a lot uh, of different ways to pray. And, and it's really freed up the way that I pray. And so I, I'm not coming to you this morning speaking as an expert in prayer. I am just on this journey I'm on a journey of growing in the practice of prayer. And so that's, that's how I want to come to you this morning, that I'm not saying I have figured it out because I haven't. I'm on a journey, and I'm walking along, and I'm going to share what I've been learning as I've been walking on this journey. Um, and we're going, to, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. So let's pray, then we'll jump into the text. God, I pray that you would um, open our eyes this morning, because we can't understand your word unless you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And so I pray that you would do that by your spirit this morning. 
I pray that you would fill me with the Spirit that I can proclaim your word with boldness. I pray that you would um, give me this, the, the gift of preaching this morning, that, that I would be able to preach and the congregation would understand and that we would begin to apply these truths to our lives. Give us strength to obey. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the, the very first thing that we see in this passage is that the Lord leads his people through prayer. At the beginning of the passage, verse 35, we see that Jesus is praying. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, this Jesus, got up, he went out, and he made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. And then Simon and his companions searched for them. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages that I might preach there too. This is why I have come. And so we see Jesus, he's getting up early in the morning, he's praying, and then the Lord gives him direction on where he's supposed to go with his ministry. One of the most common questions that I'm asked is, how do I know what God wants me to do? Have you ever asked that question or heard someone ask that question? How do I know what God wants me to do? Well, we, we learn that, one way of the ways we learn that is through prayer. That when we are praying, the Holy Spirit leads us in certain directions. There's, there's four filters that we have for um, discerning God's will for your life. The first filter is scripture. Second one is providence. The third is Christian community. And then the fourth is the Holy Spirit prompting. And we're going to break these down, what, what each of them look like. But most commonly, it starts with the Holy Spirit prompting. That we get this idea or this feeling of like, hey, I need to go do this thing. But that's subjective, right? Like, what, did this thought come from me? Is this my selfish desires? Is it the Lord speaking to me? Or is it like the pizza I ate last night? It, it's hard to know. It's subjective, and so that's why we have these filters, that we filter our thoughts and, and what we think the Lord is leading us through these things to protect us. So the first one is scripture. We ask the question, does this idea or is this leading in line with scripture? Is, is it opposed to scripture? Like if, if you feel this leading of, I, I need to go steal from my neighbor, I need to steal his lawnmower, that's it's not the Lord leading you to do that. That's, that's you, because it's against Scripture. So that, that's why it's important that we know Scripture. That's why it's important that we read Scripture, that we understand, that we listen to the preaching of the Word, because this is one of the filters that we use to determine, is this the Lord speaking to me, or is this me speaking to me? The second one is providence. And this is, is it within the realm of possibility for me to do this thing? So like if I feel like the Lord is leading me to be the president of the United States right now, that's not possible because I'm not 34 or 35, however old you need to be to be the president of the United States. And so you ask the question, is it within the realm of possibility for me to do this thing? Because a lot of the time, the Lord puts us in specific places with specific people for a reason, that he has us there to do the thing that he has called us to do. And the third one is Christian community, that we don't make decisions in isolation, that we make decisions, we, if we have an idea, we bring it to our Christian brothers and sisters and say, hey, I feel like the Lord is calling me to do this thing. I feel like he's leading me in this direction. What do you think? Like, you have the spirit 
dwelling inside of you too. So what, what do you think? You think God could be calling me to do this thing? And these are the filters that we have to discern what God's will is for our life. And the more we listen to God's voice in prayer, the better we're going to get at recognizing when he's speaking to us. It's something that's going to take practice that you're going to grow in throughout your life. The more you practice listening to God, the better you get at hearing him. It's not just going to happen automatically. God primarily speaks to us through his word. So the way that we know what God sounds like is by reading his word because he has given us his word that we would know what to do and what not to do, that we would know what his heart is and what his heart is not. And so the more we read his word, the more we study his word, the more we are immersed in his word, the more we will understand what he sounds like. And so when things come into our head, we're like, this sounds like something that the Lord would be saying. But he doesn't just speak to us through his word. We have a promise from the scripture that the, the spirit of the living God lives inside of me and inside of you. That if you have confessed Jesus as Lord, you have the spirit dwelling inside of you. And he's gonna lead you. He's gonna speak to you. But we need to be listening. We need to be listening Otherwise, we might miss it. So let's look at how Jesus was praying. It says that he went away to a, a desolate place, to a quiet place, and he, he was seeking silence and solitude. Man, it's hard to hear the voice of God when we are surrounded by noise. And our culture is very noisy. So he, he got away from the noise he got away from the crowds. He got away from all the distractions that he could have had. And he went to a place that was solitary, where people would not be disturbing him, and where it was silent. And he started listening. In, in the Old Testament, um, God's voice came in a still, small voice. It wasn't in the, in the fire. It wasn't in the, in the thunder or the hurricane. It wasn't all those things, but it was a still, small voice. And so we need to be listening intently in prayer for the Lord to speak to us and for us to hear it when he does. And Jesus practiced three different types of prayers. So he practiced what we, we would call a daily office. That, that term might be uh, foreign to you. That just means scheduled times throughout the day of prayer. So he would, he would pray the, the Jewish pattern of prayer, which was morning, eve, uh, noon, and evening. Three times a day, he would, he would say these set prayers that, were, that, that everybody prayed at the same time. And we do that kind of this at church on Sundays, that we recite these prayers together at the beginning of the service. He, he would do that every day, and then he would continually pray throughout the day. So like something would come up, um, there would be a, an issue or a problem, or he needed help or something, and he would pray throughout the day. This is like what most people do in their prayer life. They're like, yeah, I just pray throughout the day when things come up. And, and that's good. That's, that was one of Jesus' practices, but it wasn't the only practice that he had of prayer. And then the third practice of prayer that he did is he would set aside hours or days at a time to pray. This is like a prayer retreat, like a time set, a, set apart, dedicated to the Lord, where he would pray and listen to his Father. 
And Jesus often withdrew to pray before big changes in his ministry or in his life. So what we see in this passage here is that he withdraws and prays right before he starts his missionary journey through Galilee. He's about to start this journey preaching town to town, village to village, preaching in the synagogues, healing people, casting out demons, traveling around. And so before this life change or this ministry change, he goes, withdraws to be with the Lord, to be with his father. He did it another time when his cousin John had been killed. When his cousin died and he was mourning, he went away, he withdrew, and began to pray. Another time he did it is right before he revealed who he was to his disciples. So he he went up on the mountain and the transfiguration happened. Right before that, he withdrew and he prayed. And then finally, another time that he did it, was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he died, that he withdrew and he set aside time. He brought his disciples with him. He said, pray with me. And he prayed all night in the garden. Prayer is, I like to think of prayer as uh, like a a marriage a little bit. So a healthy marriage needs regular date nights, that you have these scheduled times where you get to know each other, where you invest in each other, It also needs regular conversation throughout the day. Like it would be weird if you just ignored each other all the time and then went on dates together. That wouldn't wouldn't make sense. And then you also need special times of retreat where you invest in your relationship. You set aside a weekend or a week or something for a getaway where you can invest in each other and get to know each other and, and grow closer together. Prayer is the same way. Prayer is our relationship with God. And so we need all three We don't just need one or the other. We need all three for a healthy relationship. And then prayer gave Jesus clarity on his purpose. When Jesus finished praying, he had clarity on what he was supposed to do. When the disciples came to him, he said, this is why I have come. This is why I have come. I asked this morning, do you know what your purpose is? Can you say like Jesus said, this is why I've come. This is why I'm here. This is why God has placed me here. And if you can't, that means we need prayer. We're at a season right now in our church where there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of things that we could be doing. There's a lot of things that we we feel like we should be doing, but we don't know how to do them exactly. So we need to be dedicated to prayer. And ask the Lord to lead us because he will lead us. But we need to be listening. I mean, Jesus was doing good stuff. It's not like he, he had the option between a bad thing or a good thing. They were both good things. His disciples came up. They said, everyone is looking for you. They, there were people to be healed. There were people that wanted to hear him preach to them. He was doing good things and his ministry was thriving there where he was. But being in prayer and these practices that he had led him to the right thing to do. That there's two good things, but there's a specific place where the Lord is calling you to go. And he learned that through prayer. Another example is that the church in, in, uh, in the book of Acts in chapter 13, the prayer, the, the, um, the church leaders gathered together and they were praying 
And they were, they were praying, they were worshiping God, and in that moment, the Spirit led them. He said, set apart Paul and Barnabas and send them out as missionaries to plant churches. This was a very direct, this is what you are supposed to do. And it happened because the church was praying together. That's when the Lord decided to speak to the church. This is good stuff. If Jesus was led by prayer, this is Jesus we're talking about. How much more do we need prayer? If we want to be led by the Spirit, if we want to be following in the will of God, doing what He has called us to do, how much more do we need prayer? If there was someone who knew the Father's heart, it was Jesus. If there was someone who knew their purpose, it was Jesus. We need to be people of prayer to be led by the Spirit. So Jesus' practice of prayer led him to God's will, and it was also the foundation for his powerful ministry. Let's read in verse 39. He went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So Jesus goes on this journey that, the, that, that he's been called to go on, and he starts preaching in the synagogues, and he's casting out demons, and the, the Lord empowered his work through his prayer life. And you may think to yourself, well, that's Jesus, so that's different. But the Bible is full of examples of God moving in power when his people were committed to prayer. That God uses the prayers of his people, that's often the means that he uses to work powerfully in the world, which is bizarre because God can do whatever he wants to do, but he chooses to use the prayers of his people to work in power in the world. I mean, Elijah, in the Old Testament, his prayers ended a three-year drought. That it, there had been no rain for three years, and when he prayed, the rain started falling. Daniel, through his prayers, he was protected in a lion's den. Lion's den wasn't just a, a they weren't caged lions. The, the goal of them throwing him in the lion's den was that he'd be eaten. But he was protected, not a scratch was on his body. His friends were protected from the fiery furnace. They were thrown into a furnace so hot that the guards themselves who threw them in died because of the fire. And they were protected. Not, they didn't even smell like smoke when they came out. On the day of Pentecost, the church was praying and a revival broke out in that city, in, in Jerusalem. And thousands of people came to know Jesus because of their prayers. And then throughout the whole book of Acts, in the early church, it says that they devoted themselves to one of the things they devoted themselves to was prayer. To prayer, the apostles' teaching, and the breaking of bread or communion. They were committed to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And through the, back, the book of Acts, we see people are healed. We see uh, earthquakes miraculously happen. We see people uh, freed from jail, from prison. We see people raising the dead, people preaching with boldness and power, prophetic words. 
We see revival that starts in Jerusalem and spreads across the entire known world, and churches were planted. This is the power of prayer. That's why it's important that we be people of prayer if we want to experience the power of God in our community. And prayer destroys the work of the enemy. We see that Jesus was casting out demons, destroying the work of the enemy. We have a very real enemy. I feel like a lot of times we don't like to talk about it, or or it seems kind of strange. But the, the scriptures say he's prowling around like a lion, seeking people to devour. We have an enemy he seeks to kill, to steal, and destroy. He wants to destroy everything good that God has created. That God created this good creation. In Genesis, he he looked at it when he was done. He said, it is very good. It's this good creation, but the the enemy seeks to destroy it. He He seeks to destroy the good things that God has created. He wants to see families torn apart. Communities filled with violence. He wants to see children left without parents. He wants to see schools filled with guns and communities left impoverished. Those in authority abusing their authority. Sickness, hatred, slander, murder, jealousy, disobedient children. He wants to destroy the good work that God has. He wants to destroy the creation that God has made. But Jesus... In his ministry, he shows up and he starts showing what the kingdom looks like. He says, no, this is not how it's meant to be. This is not what I created. My creation was good and I will restore it. I will bring all of this evil to an end. This is what Jesus shows in his life and in his ministry. And he casts down demonic power. He did it then, and he is continuing that work, continuing to do that now through the church. That he started something when he, when he lived and when he died, and the church is now continuing that. He said to Peter, the gates of hell will not stand against this church. The gates are a defense mechanism. He says the church is going to advance. The church is going to destroy the work of Satan. And it's powered by prayer. That our prayers are not simply just good vibes or or whatever you want to call it. Our prayers have power because we are praying to a powerful God. The power is not in our prayers themselves, but they are, they're who we're praying to. That we are praying to this incredible, mighty God who wants to do good in the world. And he uses our prayers. And prayer fixes our vision. Let's go to verse 40. Then a man with leprosy came to Jesus and on his knees begged him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And then moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. He said, I am willing. Be made clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. This man was probably interrupting Jesus. Like, Jesus had a busy life. 
He, he, he didn't just chill most of the time. He was, he was doing stuff. He was healing people. He was preaching. And this man comes up to him with leprosy. He was considered unclean. He had been exiled by his friends and his family. He had to live off on his own. Everywhere he had to walk, he had to be yelling out, unclean, unclean, unclean. In other words, stay away from me. And he comes to Jesus and begs him on his knees. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus could have easily looked past him. Jesus could have said, I have better things to do right now. I'm destroying the work of Satan right now. He could have said, you're too risky to deal with. If I touch you, I'm going to be unclean. Stay away from me. You've been exiled to everyone else. I'm going to exile you too. Jesus could have responded in so many ways. But it says he was moved with compassion. That our God is a compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Jesus saw this man in his suffering, and he took notice of him. He noticed him. He, he didn't just move past him quickly, but he saw him, and he rested his eyes. He said, I see you. This moved with compassion is the same word used uh, for the father when the prodigal son returned. It says the father was, saw his son from a long ways off and was moved with compassion. Like there was an emotional response in him that he loved his son. This is the way Jesus sees us in our suffering. That if you ask, does Jesus see me right now? Does he know the pain that I'm going through? He knows, he sees you, and he has compassion. And that response came from a place of being grounded in prayer. The practices that Jesus had of prayer led to a life that was able to slow down, that was able to notice a man that would easily be unnoticed. And it caused him to have compassion when he could have felt any other emotion. This is why we need to be people of prayer. Because when we are people of prayer, it changes us. It changes who we are. It changes our vision. It helps us to be more present in the moment. And it helps us to see people as people and not simply projects. It gives us the Father's heart, like the Father who had compassion for his Son. And then finally, Jesus' practice of prayer led him to obedience in the midst of the mundane. Let's look at verse 43. Then he sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the man went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news with the result that Jesus could no longer enter the town openly. But he was out in the deserted places, and they came to him from everywhere. And so growing up, I was always confused when I would read the Gospels because so often Jesus tells, does an, an amazing miracle, and then he tells them, don't tell anybody. And you're like, what are you, you talking? That's the whole point of you doing the miracles, that everyone knows how awesome you are. But the people didn't understand why Jesus had come yet. 
The people were looking for a Messiah to be their king, to, raise, to be raised up and overthrow the Romans, that they could be free from their bondage. That's how they understood the Messiah to be. But Jesus, because he was grounded in prayer, because he was close to the Father's heart, he understood why he was there. He knew that he was there to be a servant. But the people didn't understand that. Instead of a robe of glory, he received a robe of mockery. And instead of a crown of glory placed on his head, he received a crown of thorns. Instead of hearing chants of long live the king, he heard chants, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Instead of looking ahead to a life of luxury and comfort, he lived his life looking ahead to the cross. He knew what his mission was. He knew why he had come, but the people didn't understand. And so he told the man, don't tell people that I healed you. But he told them anyway. And so the crowds are coming, and they're coming, and he's surrounded by people. He has to go off by himself. He said he went to the deserted places, but they still came to him from everywhere. Being grounded in prayer, Jesus understood what the Father wanted, and he had the strength to obey, even in the midst of the crowds, even probably in the midst of temptation, that he could have, he could have built his kingdom right there. He had the crowds around him, he had the people, they, they knew he was powerful, and they probably wanted to make him a king even right there. But he, in the midst of the mundane, in the midst of everyday life, Jesus was able to obey the Father because he had been grounded in prayer. So we keep talking about spiritual formations. It keeps coming up over and over and over again. And you're probably asking, okay, another sermon on prayer. We've preached about prayer in like the last six weeks, probably four times. And I didn't choose this. This is just the passage that came up. But I want to I stress to you that it, spiritual formations are important because they're the foundation on which you build your life. Doing spiritual formations is, isn't like, it doesn't make you a better, like, it doesn't make you, Jesus love you anymore or anything like that. But it's, 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 it's a formation. It's forming you. It's shaping you into the type of person that will do the things that Jesus would do. It matters, it matters so much more who you are becoming than it does what you do. The person you are becoming is more important than the things that you do. And spiritual formations address that. Spiritual formations are these practices that the, that the scriptures has given us with promises that if we do these practices, if we practice these practices, we will be formed and shaped into the type of people that are like Jesus. And so some of the practices that we see from today's scripture is silence and solitude. We need to regularly set aside time to hear from God. And there's a lot of noise. There's so much noise around us. If you ask, what does it look like to, to, 
do silence and solitude, or, or my life is crazy, how am I supposed to do that? It doesn't have to be this crazy thing. It doesn't have to be crazy long. It's just get by yourself for a minute. It could be in the restroom. It could be anywhere. Get by yourself for a minute and relax, breathe, try to slow down your mind, slow down your body. You can speak, you can say, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. We love you, Jesus. Just put Jesus in your mind. Think about what he has done. Think about who he is. Think about how gracious he's been to you, how kind he is. And then repeat, because your mind's going to wonder. You're going to get lost in thought. You're going to start thinking, oh, the sky's all purple. That's cool. And then you've got to train your mind. Go back. Jesus, thank you. You're so beautiful, Jesus. And just do that over and over and over again. That's how you practice silence and solitude. And then there's this, uh, this other practice called the examine. It sounds fancy, but basically it's at the end of the day, you, you could be laying in your bed, you could be on your couch, whatever it is, and you just sit before the Lord and you review your day in front of him. So you're just like, I woke up this morning, I had a cup of coffee, and then you thank Jesus for the things, for the gifts that he's given you through that day. Thank you for the cup of coffee. It tasted so good. My body loved it. And then as you go through your day, things are going to come up that you're like, uh, I was a little bit off on that one. That was sinful. And so you confess and you say, Jesus, forgive me for that. And you just review your day with the Father, thanking him for the, the gifts that he's given you and asking for confession in the places that you have fallen short. And the reason we need to do this is because it's easy to just live your life and not think about the things that you're doing or not think about your day. But this is a way where you intentionally slow down to meet with the Father, to feel his love and his forgiveness and his kindness, and to review, am I being led by him right now? Am I following in the direction that he has for me? And then the third way that we can obey this is that we would be devoted to corporate prayer. We see in the scriptures powerful things happen when, we are devote, when the church is devoted to prayer. That's why on Sunday mornings, we, we come together and we pray for a large portion of the beginning of the service. We pray all throughout the service, it, collectively. And the reason is that when the people of God are devoted to prayer, God moves powerfully. Another way that we, we can obey this is by prayer meetings. We're going to start a, a once-a-month prayer meeting starting tonight, so this is a perfect runway. Come to the prayer meeting, and we'll ask God to work powerfully in our community. And he can do it. He can move powerfully through prayer. So let's be a, a people that are devoted to prayer. And, and lastly, I just want to leave you with some encouragement. We're not running a sprint and we're not taking a test. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is, is a journey that we're following Jesus and we're walking on this road, traveling with Jesus. It's, it's not like teleportation. You're not going to suddenly arrive at prayer. 
It's a practice that we're going to have to practice. And the more you practice it, the better you're going to get at it. But we're never going to arrive. We're never going to get to a place where we're like, I've, I've, I can pray perfect now. I pray perfect. We're never going to get there until we're with Jesus. And so walk on this journey. And as you practice prayer, it's going to transform your life. And it's going to transform lives around you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your example in the scriptures that even though you needed nothing, you came to the earth and you put on flesh and you were dependent on the Father, which is crazy to think about, that you relied on prayer for your ministry. You relied on prayer for your obedience. Lord, and you, you perfectly fulfilled the law's demands. You did everything the Father told you to do. And then you died on the cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be seen as righteous, that we could receive your perfect record. Thank you, Jesus, for your kindness. Thank you for your compassion and your mercy on us. Help us to be a people who are dependent on you, who depend on prayer and your power, because we need your power right here in this community. Lord, we look at all of the problems around us. There's so many, they're, they're so overwhelming at times. What's the answers? But you have power and you have authority. And so we are just begging you, God, would you come in power? Would you change this community? Would you draw people to yourself? Would you work in power, show up powerfully in ways that no one can understand? Ways that, that no one could get the credit aside from you. Lord, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.